Good morning. To Pastor Thompson, Poole Peter Associates, my brothers and sisters in Christ. The introductory scripture comes from John, the 14th chapter, 15 through 17 verses. If ye love me, keep my commandments, and I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it seeth him not neither knoweth him but he know him for he dwelleth with you and shall be in you glenna k adams is the only child of deacon oscar and gladys adams myself she was baptized by Reverend S.L. Jones and became a member of Mount Pilgrim Church, Baptist Church. Under the pastorage of Reverend Jones, she served in the Sunday School Department as a teacher. She has always had a passion for singing and served in the music department as a faithful member of the Youth Duff Choir and the Gospel Chorus and as choir directress of the children's choir. After Reverend S. L. Jones' homegoing, she served under Dr. Charles E. Glover as assistant superintendent of the Sunday School. Sunday School teacher, musician for the male course, and the Sunshine Band Children's Choir. There came a time when she noticed that the teenagers of the church were not singing. She made inquiries about that. And the pastor, and with the pastor's permission, she initi initiated the inception of the C.E. Glover Young's People's Choir from ages 13 through 19. She when she uh, served as a directress and mus musical directors and mentor to the teenagers of the church. As the life changes came along, she made the decision to move her membership to Zion Hope Primitive Baptist Church under the leadership of Dr. Bernard C. Yates, where she continued service serving as a teacher of the Sunday school and singing in the choir. While at Zion Hope, the Lord put it on her heart to start her own ministry, which was the Earthling Vessels Drama Ministry. With the help of the Lord, she was blessed to minister to the congregation and the community through drama in many dramatic presentations, including the full-length plays, the, the Empty Tomb, and a black history play that she wrote entitled, Lest We Forget. After another life change, her membership is now at the Greater Union Baptist Church under the pastorage of Dr. Michael Thomas Thompson where she serves as a faithful member of the Mass Choir as intern, interim Sunday school teacher and as directors of a short Easter skit, Where is the Proof? 
last year. She did this. Glenda Kay attended public schools and graduated from Pensacola High School here in Pensacola. She attended Pensacola Junior College and the University of West Florida, graduating with a Bachelor of Science degree in Molecular Biology. Um, with the degree, she was working at Monsanto Solution as a raw materials specialist in the 707 Chemical Laboratory. While working, she continued her pursuit of higher education at UWF and attained a master's and obtained a master's degree of art. Master's of Arts degree in English. After being laid off from Seleucia, she taught as an adjunct professor of English at the University of West Florida, where she won awards for her short story writing and as teacher of the year. Seeking full-time employment, the Lord has blessed her with the current position as financial advisor with the firm Edward Jones Investment, where she now helps to educate people about their retirement needs and their educational needs, their investments, and their overall financial health. If you need anything about, need to know anything about investments or financial health, see her. She'll be glad to help you and give you any kind of advice about all of these things. All right. uh, she loves the Lord and is a devoted worker for him. She has a passion for helping others that her job allows her to do and for communicating God's word through teaching singing and drama. Ladies and gentlemen, my daughter, Glenda K. Adams. Good afternoon, Greater Union. Pray out first. Okay. Okay. That's better. All right. Now let's start again. Good afternoon, Greater Union. <laughs> Praises to God who blesses us each and every day yes, he does. to wake up to be a part of each day. Yeah. Pastor Thompson, Full Pit Associates. I want to begin today with jogging your memories just a little bit. Um, do you remember the saying that behind every great man there is a woman? 
Okay, all right. What about after women's lib and it became behind every great man is an even greater woman? Remember that one? All right, what about then, ladies, you know, we went to, well, why do I even want to be behind a man anyway? Right? Okay, all right. Well, these questions lead to a bigger question that I want to ask all of you today, or the women especially. Where does a woman's power come from? Where does it come from? All right, let's look at it. Let's look at it. Let's see where it does not come from. Now, we know that it does not come from her position because it doesn't matter whether she's a, a custodial worker or whether she's a CEO of a corporation. It does not come from her profession. And I just did that one. It doesn't come from her position is whether she's single, married, or a mother. Her profession is whether she's a custodial worker or a CEO. It doesn't come from her possessions. It doesn't matter what she has whether she's in a fine house or what kind of car she has, if she wears designer shoes and handbags, it doesn't even matter about how pretty she is. Because we all know that beauty is in the eye of the beholder, right? That's like my granddad used to say. He used to say, beauty is only skin deep, but ugly is to the bone. Beauty fades away, but ugly holds its own. So it doesn't matter whether she's five foot 10 or whether she's four foot 11, whether she's plus size or whether she's a string bean. None of that matters as far as her power. Her power comes from her pneuma, which is the New Testament Greek word for the spirit of, the, of God, the power of the Holy Spirit within her. Now, when we allow the Holy Spirit to have free reign in our lives, God uses us to influence people and situations, even without us being aware of it. The Holy Spirit takes us from being weak women to being holy, holy. That's W-H-O-L-L-Y, H-O-L-Y, holy, holy women. Now, right here, I have to digress to my choir directress, my minister of music over there. She tells us in choir rehearsal to turn on your computer, and that's the computer inside your head. Okay, so I want you to turn it on, get your imaginations working. I want you to imagine a pop-up toaster. Got it in your head? Okay, all right. You take the bread, you put it in the toaster, you press the lever down, right? So what happens? You gotta do something before it pops up. You gotta plug it in, that's right. And we are like that toaster. The toaster doesn't get hot until it's got current flowing through it. So we don't get hot for God, holy and fervent, until we are plugged into our power source, which is the Holy Spirit. So the question that each of us needs to ask is, am I plugged in? Remember, no plug, no power. Our theme today is women of greater union let the spirit of the lord rise among us that theme applies not only to the women it also applies to the men we all let need to let god's spirit rise among us but if the holy spirit is to rise among us we have to strive to live holy holy lives every day so how do we do that and once we find out how to do it what do we do with it all right so i'm going to try to give you that in four steps today. First off, we need to know who is the Holy Spirit. 
Once we recognize who he is, then we need to know how can I be filled with the spirit? Then what effect should being filled with the spirit have on my life? And then the results of being filled with the spirit. And right here, I'd like to say a word of prayer. So let us bow. Holy God, in the name of Jesus, I'm asking you today to help me to surrender to you daily and to be plugged into your power source so that the power of your Holy Spirit may flow in and through me to touch those under the sound of my voice so that your Holy Spirit will rise among us, Lord, rise among us all to further your purpose in and through us. Amen. Okay, the scripture that I'm going to be expounding a little bit on today is Galatians chapter 5, verses 16 through 26, which we read as the responsive reading. So turn in your Bibles to that scripture, please. And when you have it, let's do as we always do. Let's stand in reverence to the word. Okay. This I say then, walk in the spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusteth against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary the one to the other, so that ye cannot do the things that ye would. But if ye be led by the Spirit, ye are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like of the which I tell you before, as I have told you in time past, that they which do these things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. But the, spirit, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. And they that are Christ's have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts, if we live in the spirit, let us also walk in the spirit. Let us not be desirous of vain glory, provoking one another and envying one another. Thank you. Okay, so in order to let the spirit of the Lord rise among us, the first thing we need to know and understand is who is the Holy Spirit. And notice that I did say who and not what, all right? The Holy Spirit is not a vague light and airy shadow, nor is he some impersonal force. He is the third member of the Godhead, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. He is a person equal in every way with God the Father and God the Son. He has the same attributes as God. He's omniscient, he's omnipresent, he's omnipotent, he is truth and holiness. He is life and wisdom. He's been here since before creation, and he was actively involved in the creation of the world. Genesis, we find the first mention of him in the very first book of the Bible in the first verses. Genesis chapter 1, verse 1 and 2. 
where it says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. He was there then, before creation, and he's here with us now. And he can be within us, helping us. The Holy Spirit is the bridge to God within you. He is the part of your mind that is joined with the mind of God. The Holy Spirit is the voice of God and acts as a reminder to all of God's children of the unconditional love that God has for them. So, how do we get plugged into the power of the Holy Spirit? Well, when a person becomes a Christian, by repenting, accepting, believing, and receiving Jesus Christ, that person is at that point indwelled with the Holy Spirit. And God resides in that person through the Holy Spirit. You see, the primary role of the Holy Spirit in us is that he bears witness of Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit tells people's hearts about the truth of Jesus Christ. In the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit came upon people to do certain tasks. Now, one such person was Rahab, okay? We know who Rahab was. She was the prostitute, right? All right. Now, it doesn't matter at what point you are in your life, what your life circumstances are. God can use you right where you are, no matter what you're into. All you have to do is be open and receptive to him. The Bible calls Rahab a harlot. All right. Now, just in case you don't know what a harlot is, that is a whore, a slut, a prostitute, a tramp, a skank, a hoe, a hooker, trick, call girl, any name you want to put on her. That's what she was. She knew her profession. She made no excuses for it. But God let the Holy Spirit come upon her to strengthen her faith that the God of the Hebrew people was the true God, was and is. She saw that her idol gods were not going to save them. She knew that if she did not have the faith in the Hebrew God, that they would all be destroyed. So with that faith, she hid the spies, the Hebrew spies, and she lied to protect them, and then she helped them to escape to freedom. But the Holy Spirit also gave her strength and courage to do something else. He gave her the courage to ask the Hebrew spies for a favor. That was to spare her family when they came through to destroy everything. And that favor that she asked was granted. Her family was saved, but more than that, her faith also afforded her with a new life. She married one of the spies. His name was Salmon. And she and Salmon were the parents of Boaz who married Ruth, the Moabitess, and Rahab and Ruth are in the lineage of Jesus. So you see how powerful faith is? Faith can change you no matter where you are in your life situation. But here's something else. Think about this. Just because one receives and is indwelled with the Holy Spirit does not mean that you're automatically filled with the Holy Spirit. There is a difference. After repenting and receiving Christ as your personal Savior, you are indwelled with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit resides in you, and you are eligible to be filled with the Spirit. Let's take a look at Peter. Now, Peter had been with Jesus. He lived with Jesus, studied with Jesus, walked on the water with Jesus, saw all of the miracles Jesus had done. 
but Peter denied Jesus three times, okay? Peter was not letting the Holy Spirit be in charge of his life. He had not been filled with the Holy Spirit. He was not filled until the day of Pentecost. On that day, he was filled with the Spirit, and then he had the power and the boldness to stand up for Christ. And with that power and boldness, he preached to the multitudes, and 3,000 people were saved that day. Now, earlier, we talked about being plugged into the power of the Holy Spirit. Being plugged in comes from being filled with the Holy Spirit. Okay, so I hear, I hear all of you asking the question, well, Sister Teacher, how does one become filled with the Holy Spirit? Well, that's a great question, and I'm glad you asked, because I'm going to answer it for you. To be filled with the Holy Spirit, first, you must be born again. Acts chapter 2, verses 38 and 39 tell us, Then Peter said to them, Repent, and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So the filling of the Holy Spirit is a gift, and that gift is received by faith. So from Galatians 3.14, we learn that the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. And Hebrews 11.6 teaches, but without faith, it is impossible to please God. For he who comes to God must believe that God is and that God is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So in order to be filled with the Spirit, we must be born again and then we must have the, receive the filling of the Holy Spirit by faith. So how do we receive it? We have to ask. We have to ask to, be, to receive in order to receive. Now, this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we have asked of him. Now, God the Father poured out the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost, right? He poured it out once and for all. So it's here. Therefore, it's not a matter of God giving you the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit, but rather it's a matter of you receiving what God has already given to you. You got to open your hearts. You got to open your minds in order to receive what God has already given you. Once you do that, the Holy Spirit can then act as your teacher to reveal God's will and God's truth to you. For this to happen, ladies and gentlemen, we must be willing to let God have control of our lives. Now, just because the Holy Spirit resides within you, that doesn't mean that you're going to automatically walk in the Spirit, okay? And it doesn't mean that he automatically takes over your life because he's it's, it's a process. You've got to, to work on it, okay? For us to become holy, holy, allowing the Holy Spirit to take over and rise among us, we have to surrender to the will of God to let the Holy Spirit lead, direct, and guide our lives. All right, now, back to our scripture. Verse 16 says, Then I say, this I say, walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. So you walk 
How do you walk in the Spirit? You walk in the Spirit by faith. You have to trust in God and in His promises. This is the only way that a Christian can live the Spirit-directed life. Just as Rahab had faith, we must trust Christ moment by moment. And as we trust Christ and the Holy Spirit to lead and direct our lives, a number of things will start happening for you. Your prayer life and your study of God's word will become more meaningful. Things that you've read over and over again will start to make more sense for you. They'll have a deeper meaning. You'll be able to see things, pull things out of those passages that you haven't been able to grasp before. You will experience his blessing, his power in witnessing. You'll be able to talk about Jesus to other people to help bring them into the fold, to help bring them to Christ, help them to see that Christ is alive and working in their lives right now. You will be prepared for spiritual conflict against the world and against the flesh. Verse 17, for the flesh lusteth against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary the one to the other so that you cannot do the things that you would. The flesh and the spirit are constantly in battle. Each in each one of us, you got one that's pulling for the right thing to do and the other side pulling for the wrong thing to do. And you have to make the decision to follow the right way. You have to have help many times. That help comes from the Holy Spirit. It comes from being in God's word and knowing God's will for you. You need the Holy Spirit to help you to defeat the flesh. So once you're plugged in, your life will demonstrate more of the fruit of the Holy Spirit. And notice that I did say fruit, not with an S fruit in singular. You know my English professor has to come out somewhere. So this is a singular word. There is only one fruit, but that fruit has nine character traits or characteristics. And if the Holy Spirit is leading and guiding your life, you should be displaying all nine characteristics of the fruit. So the evil things that we should not be doing are described in verses 19 through 21, which says the works of the flesh are manifest and they are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like, of the which I tell you before, as I have also told you in time past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. So the person who practices these sins will not inherit the kingdom of God. But in order to inherit the kingdom of God, the flesh, which is the old nature, must be crucified. That's right. Paul explains that the believer is identified with Christ in Christ's death, burial, and resurrection. You see, Christ not only died for me, but I died with Christ. Christ died for me to remove the penalty of sin, but I died with Christ to break sin's power over me. But, you know, God is not just interested in us avoiding sin. He also wants us to produce a positive goodness. So, 
at this point, I need to ask all of you another question. Don't raise your hands on this one. I just want you to answer it to yourselves. And that question is, are you a Christian? I didn't ask if you're a church member. I didn't ask if you attend church regularly. I ask if you are a Christian. I'm talking about a true born again Christian because Jesus warned us in Matthew 7 that many think that they are Christians when in fact they are not. So how do you know? How do you know if you're a Christian? Well, are you leading and directing your own life or are you letting the Holy Spirit lead and guide you and helping you make your life decisions? Here's another question for you. If you are a Christian, then what kind of fruit are you producing? Jesus tells us in Matthew chapter 7, verse 17, that every good tree bears, what kind of fruit? But a bad tree bears. So, look at your life. Do you see bad fruit? Or do you see good fruit? The fruit of the Spirit listed in our passage has to do with character. My character and your character. What kind of character do people recognize when they see you? Or better yet, when they get to know you? Because you know, we can, we can put on some faces. We can, we can look like, oh, she's so sweet. Just seeing them on Sunday, you know, all dressed up and pretty. Oh, oh, that's the sweetest little lady I've seen. Honey, you get her off from church. That's the, oh, you know, I didn't know sister so-and-so was like that. You know what she did? So now what people see in us in church is what they're supposed to see when we get out. Okay? So... This is what they are supposed to see in us at all times. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. That's what they're supposed to see in us. The characteristics that God wants in our lives are seen in these ninefold traits or characteristics of the fruit of the Spirit. The traits are divided or can be divided into three categories, which are the Godward traits, the manward traits, and the selfward traits. Now, the first one that's mentioned is love. And this is talking about agape love or divine, godly love, not eros or sensual love because eros is never mentioned in the New Testament. This divine love is God's gift to us, and we must cultivate this gift and pray that it will increase. Now, when a person lives in the sphere or the circle of love, then he experiences joy, which is that inward peace and sufficiency that is not affected by your outward circumstances. Because we all know, no matter what's going on in our lives, we can have the joy of God. Happiness, happiness is determined by our present circumstances or our present situation. But joy is something that we can obtain only from God and it is deep within us. 
Love and joy together produce peace, which is the peace of God, which passeth all understanding. Now, these first three qualities express the Godward aspect of Christian life. The next three express the manward aspect of Christian life, and they are long-suffering, which is courageous endurance without quitting, gentleness, which is kindness, and goodness, which is love in action. Love is an action word, folks. Just because just I walk up to somebody and say, I love you, say bye to them, that don't mean nothing. If they have a situation and I love them, I'm going to be concerned about them. I'm going to want to help them out and see what's going on. If they decide not to tell me and not to let me in, then at least I have shown that I'm concerned about them and that I care about them. All right, let's look at long-suffering a minute. Long-suffering means not avenging yourself or wishing difficulties on those who oppose you. You still, I don't care what that person does to you, if you are a Christian filled with the Holy Spirit, you need to be exhibiting these qualities. You need to be kind and gentle, even with the most offensive folk. And some folk can get real offensive too. But you have to find a way to get around that and try to be gentle and understanding with that person. Because you will be kind and gentle, even in the most offensive people, and you will sow goodness where others sow evil. Human nature can't do this alone. We have to have help. We're all human. We all have that old nature buried down there. We're keeping it buried as well as we can, but we have to have help to keep it buried because he wants to rise. He wants to rise, but we have to keep him stomped down with the help of the Holy Spirit. That's the only way we can do it. The final three qualities are selfward. They are faith, which is faithfulness or dependability, meekness, which is the right use of power and authority or power under control, and temperance, which is self-control. Now, I want you to understand that meekness is not weakness. But the meek Christian doesn't throw her weight around either. So just as wisdom is the correct use of knowledge, so meekness is the correct use of authority. And as I said, the flesh can never produce the fruit of the spirit. And the difference is this. When the spirit produces fruit, God gets the glory. And the Christian is not even conscious of what's going on. But when the flesh is at work, the person is inwardly proud and is pleased when others compliment them. Oh, oh man, didn't I tell you up that church today? Ooh, but that's not the purpose. The purpose is for God to get the glory, okay? Not for us to get glory, but for God to get the glory. The work of the Spirit is to make us more like Christ for his glory, not for the praise of men. Paul warns us that the fruit of the Spirit has to be cultivated. We have to work on it. Any of you garden? You have, do you have gardens? Have you ever done any gardening? You can't just put your vegetables out there and don't do anything to them. You have to give those vegetables some TLC, you have to give them some fertilizer, make sure they get plenty of sunshine, pick all the little bugs off of them, do all kinds of stuff, till them. 
We have to do the same thing for the fruit of the Spirit to grow in us. We have to till that fruit. We have to cultivate it. It begins with a right atmosphere. We have to have a right atmosphere in us before the fruit will grow. Regular fruit on a tree or wherever cannot grow in every climate. So the fruit of the Spirit cannot grow in every individual's life, nor can it grow in every church if the atmosphere is not right. Fruit grows in a climate based, blessed with an abundance of the Spirit and the Word. Now verse 25 says, If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Let us not be desirous of vain glory, provoking one another or envying one another. Walking in the Spirit means keeping in step with the Spirit, not to run ahead and not to lag behind. And don't be jealous and envious of other people. God gives each person their own gift. Some of us, he gives more than one gift. You remember the talents? The person that took the one talent and hid it? God came back and took it from that person and gave it to the one that had multiplied their talents. So don't let God do that to you. Don't sit on the seat of do nothing with your talent. Take your talent and use it. That causes you to be jealous of what other people are doing. They're not doing it in themselves. God is blessing them to do that. So why are you going to be jealous of something God gave that person to do? When you get up off the seat to do nothing, then you can join in with what everybody else is doing in your own talent, and then you can be ministering to the congregation. This means that you need to be actively involved in the word. You need to be actively involved in prayer, in worship, in praise, and in fellowship with God and with God's people. You need to have a relationship with God. Get to know his personality through his word. Develop a relationship with him through reading and studying and prayer time so that you know his voice when you hear it. In addition, though, we must remember that this fruit is produced to be consumed, not to be admired and put on display. People around us are starving for love, joy, peace, long-suffering, all of the fruits, all of the nine characteristics of the fruit. They're starving for that. When they find those characteristics in us, then they know that they, we have something that they don't have, and they want to know how to get it. We bear fruit that others might be helped and led to Christ and that Christ might be glorified. It takes patience, an atmosphere of the Spirit, walking in the light, the seed of the Word of God, and a sincere desire to honor Christ. And the secret to doing all of this is what? The Holy Spirit. He alone can give us freedom from sin and self that enables us to overcome the flesh and to bear fruit that is consumed. Why are we going to bear fruit and sit on it? If you've got a pear tree out there and those pears get ripe, you're just going to leave them on the tree and let them stay there? You're going to pull them off and make pies and jam and jelly and anything else, share them with your friends and all that stuff. So that's what we need to do with the fruit of the Spirit. 
We have to be plugged in. Remember, no plug, no power. That's right. So now, what happens as a result of letting the Spirit rise among us? Okay, so we've learned that the Holy Spirit is given as a gift to live inside those who believe in Jesus to produce God's character in the life of a believer. And in a way that we cannot do on our own, the Holy Spirit builds into our lives love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. The traits that form our character and produces the fruit of the Spirit. But the Holy Spirit also performs a function for the non-Christians as well. He convicts people's hearts of God's truth concerning how sinful we are. Look at Rahab. Didn't he convict her heart? Okay. All right. He convicted Peter too. Convicted Peter also. Jesus died in our place for our sins and for God's eventual judgment of the world and those who do not know him. The Holy Spirit tugs on our hearts and our minds, asking us to repent and to turn to God for forgiveness and a new way of life. So we need to make up our minds today that we will get plugged into the true power source. And we do that by yielding to surrendering to and relying on the Holy Spirit to help us exhibit the characteristics of the fruit of the Spirit. Christians are commanded to be filled with the Holy Spirit and to walk in the Spirit. And once we are filled, the Holy Spirit empowers Christians to live holy, holy lives, to be able to perform ministerial duties that promote spiritual growth among Christians and that draws non-Christians to Christ. We are to help one another, minister to one another, lean on one another, depend on one another, be prayer warriors for each other, and strengthen one another. Women and men of Greater Union, I charge you today for the purpose of empowering us for service for God to further his kingdom, to help others know of him, and to be a blessing to our fellow women and men. Let the spirit of the Lord rise among us. <laughs>